Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? You know, we're, we're passionate about a lot of things in our life. And, and, and I, I looked up that word in, in Wikipedia, what passion is. I got it for you up here. It's, it's a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. It involves your emotions. You know, some people get excited about certain things. Some people actually get excited about cutting grass. I, I don't do nothing for me, but some people do. I mean, they're passionate about landscaping and grass and gardening and stuff like that. My, my wife has a passion for that stuff. She can get out in the yard all day long and, and work all day long in the yard and, uh, and, and, and enjoy it. You know, I want to get out there and get it done so I can go fishing. But, you know, that's her passion. It's not necessarily mine, but I enjoy her passion, especially when the flowers start coming up and all that kind of stuff. But there are certain things. We, we have a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement about doing something, for something or about doing something. It's also a strong feeling such as anger that causes you to act in a dangerous way. Proverbs 14.30 says that, uh, it says, uh, a tranquil heart is life to the body. But passion is bitterness to the bone. Think about that for a minute. Passion is bitterness to the bone. Now, now I, I, I couldn't let that one go like that. I mean, that just doesn't sound right. Because, you know, I've always thought passion was a good thing, right? Well, it can be and it cannot be. It all depends what we're passionate about. You know, some people are, uh, have a passion for things, and that passion is an illicit desire that drives them to something, and they can't seem to stop. Some people are passionate about, about habits. You know, some people are passionate about cigarettes and tobacco. I mean, I don't understand that one, but some people are. They like it. They can't let go of it. You know, it's, it's a passion. It's something that consumes them. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here to preach about the, the, the you know, the dangers and the the horrible things of, that have to do with tobacco and stuff. But um, let, let me just give you another translation. The New, New Living Translation says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Now, wouldn't you say that, that, that passion is, is, is like a jealousy? God is passionate for us. He's jealous for us. That song we sing, He is passionate for me. He's jealous for me. God is a jealous God. He's, he's jealous for His people. Why? Because He loves us so much. Now, I'm not overtly jealous for my wife, but if I saw someone coming onto her in the wrong way, there's something inside of me that would rise up I would become jealous. And you don't want that to happen. Warning. So God is jealous for us. And, and passion is also, it, it, it's probably the strongest motivation of the human mind. It, it's what compels us to give up what is, whatever is necessary to satisfy our wants or our desires. 
It's, it's from the Greek word pathos. Ironically, it's where we get the word pathological. Like a pathological liar, someone who can't stop lying. I mean, they lie about everything. They lie and then they lie about the lie they just told. They're just a pathological liar. But Jesus was passionate for us. God was so passionate for us. John 3, 16. Y'all say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that, folks, is passion. God was so passionate for us that he couldn't just let it go. The law couldn't satisfy we couldn't live up to the dictates of the law. But God was so passionate about us, about rescuing us and redeeming us from the curse of the law that came about because of man's disobedience that he, that he sent his only son, that God himself became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus. And passion is descriptive of what Jesus went through in order to save us. Now you think about his broken heart. On Palm Sunday. The Sunday that he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And, and, and Jesus looked at Jerusalem. And it says he wept over Jerusalem. He said I, I long to gather you under my wings. Like a, like a mother hen gathers her chicks. I long to do that. But he he said, I can see your hearts, you will reject me. A week later, we see that Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane just a few days after they were hailing him and they were waving the palms and they were saying, Hosanna, save us, Lord, save us, Lord. And just a few days later, they're betraying him. You know, the one thing about the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he knew exactly what was taking place. He knew exactly who it was who was going to betray him. But Jesus knew that there was going to be this passion. And, and, and we think about passion. How many have ever heard of the Via Dolorosa? The road of suffering. And the word just means painful. Painful. Pathos. The road of pathos. The road of suffering. It was a passion in Jesus that though he knew what was is going to entail, he was willing to do it because he was passionate for us. He was driven. He could not go back. Jesus couldn't go back. He was compelled. And even when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, in verses 39 through 46, it tells about how Jesus takes his, several of his disciples and he goes to the, to the Mount of Olives and he starts to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and he, and he sits them there and he says, I'm going to pray. And he goes a little bit farther, but he tells them, you stay here and you pray with me till I come back. So Jesus goes into the Garden And as he's going into the garden, he becomes so burdened in his heart because he knows what's going to be taking place that he falls down upon his knees and he begins to to cry out to the Father. And his passion and the pain inside of him is so intense that he's praying and he's, he's crying out to God and he's saying, Father, If it's possible, if there's another way that this can be done, let this cup pass from me. 
But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. And his passion, the pain inside of him was so intense as he prayed that the Bible says he begins to sweat great drops as like, like, like blood. He's so intense in his passion for us. And then Jesus prays, and, and then when he comes back, he finds his passionless disciples asleep. They were asleep. He says, could you not, couldn't you just tarry with me for one hour? Couldn't you just give me an hour of your time? Where's your passion? They didn't understand. And so often we don't understand what this thing is all about. It's about life and death. And when we get a hold of that, we understand what we're dealing with. It's not just about coming to a place and listening to some good music and feeling good about ourselves and, and being encouraged and lifted up and, and patted on the back and saying how great thou art and everything else. It's about souls. It's about people that are lost without Jesus that are going to hell on a daily basis. And the Bible says in Isaiah that hell hath enlarged her borders. There are more people on planet earth today than there ever have been. And yet it seems that there's less passion in the church for souls than there ever has been. And I don't understand it sometimes. And it's hard for me to grasp it or to, to comprehend what's going on. But you know, Jesus dealt with the same thing. His disciples, couldn't you just tarry with me for an hour? How many have ever spent an hour in prayer? The whole hour. It's not easy, is it? Why? Jesus gave us the answer to that. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I heard so many testimonies about the first of the year this year when we, we did the, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, the wonderful testimonies that came out of that. Because we were denying ourselves of food and, and, and certain things that we had, had habitually done. We denied ourselves of that and gave our attention to the Word of God. And, and we saw transformation in our own lives as a result of it because we understand that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And in order for the Spirit to become stronger, what has to happen? We have to crucify the flesh. We have to crucify it. That's why the Bible says... In Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know what's wrong with a living sacrifice? It keeps getting off the altar. You know, we forget. Oh, I gave that to God. I forgot. I, I didn't mean to do that again. Oh, you know, it feels too good not to. So we give in to the dictates of the flesh. And the disciples, and I know exactly what it's like. Crystal Dehart over here was in my first, my very first youth group. And she probably remembers the time that we had, 
had, had, had decided that we were going to pray all night. So we had the youth to meet at the, at the church at like 8 o'clock at night. And we were going to pray all night long. I don't think we made it past midnight. I mean, we're, we're in there, and we're on our knees, and we're praying. And, I mean, we prayed for everything. I and mean, we even prayed for the disciples that had already gone. I mean, we were doing, praying for everybody, everything we could think of. And we're praying, and we're praying, and praying. And finally, it gets real quiet. And everybody's just over there kind of whispering, Jesus. And the next thing you know, you don't hear any whispering. You just hear. <laughs> and that's okay. Hey, we tried. You know, so, but passion drives us. Passion drives us. Passion makes prayer warriors out of us. When we get a glimpse of heaven and hell and eternity and how long eternity is, think about this, folks. Eternity is not time without end. Eternity is timelessness. Time doesn't exist in eternity. God is eternal in that He always was, He always is, and He always will be. And you and I are eternal beings because we were in God's heart and His thoughts before we were ever born, before the foundation of the earth. We were in God's mind. He knew you then, He knows you now. And he will always know you no matter where you are. Jesus had a passion inside of him that drove him to the cross. He was willing to walk the road through the the Via Dolorosa, the road of suffering and pain, all the way to the cross and to endure the shame of it, of being hung upon a criminal's cross and dying a criminal's death, though he was innocent and not crying out in his own defense. He didn't raise his voice one time. He willingly yielded himself up for you and me. That's passion. That's passion. What are you passionate about? What are we passionate about? Passion compelled Jesus to exhibit a certain attitude. And we're we're called upon to exhibit it ourselves. That's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of, he, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? Passion. This was his passion. He was jealous for us. Still is. So, the question we got to ask ourselves is, what is our passion? What is my passion? It's easy to see what someone's passion is. If, you, if I want to know your passion, all i got to do is visit your home and spend some time with you. Listen to you talk for a little bit. Here in the South, we're compassionate about, we're passionate about a lot of things. We're passionate about NASCAR. 
We're passionate about Dale. We're, we're passionate about fishing. We're passionate about motorcycles and gardening. We're passionate about basketball, bless God. Amen. And football. We're passionate about a lot of things. We're starting to get passionate about soccer. We're passionate about flea markets. Amen. We're passionate about money. We like it. It buys lots of nice things. We're passionate about our family. We get all wrapped up in our family and everything else, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with basketball. There's nothing wrong with any of the things that I mentioned, unless our passion for those things excels our passion for God. Moses gave the greatest commandment to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 6 and 5, and he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Everything you got. I mean, when it says all, it means all. I mean, do you love him with all your heart? Do you love him with all your mind, your soul, your strength, everything you've got? Is he first and foremost in your life? Do you have a passion for God that exceeds everything else? Or do we have reservations? You see? If our passion for God is that way, you know, I hear it so often, you know, someone will be doing something boneheaded and stupid in their life, and when you try to confront it, here's the patented response that we give. I love the Lord, but... No, you don't. You love your butt more than you love the Lord. (laughs) Or else you get your butt out of the way. And let God rule and reign in your life. And we got so many buts. I love Jesus, but. I believe God will provide my needs, but. I believe this, but. I would come to church more often, but. I would get involved and I'd help the pastor paint the church, but. We got all these excuses and and they're wrapped up in buts. You know? And some people think their butts look better than somebody else's. But when it boils down to it, they're all the same. Excuses. Lack of passion for the things of God. You know, I was telling someone the other day that before I knew the Lord, I was in a church. And it was called Bedside Assembly. And I, I fellowshiped often with Brother Pill and Sister Sheets. <laughs> they provided me my covering. And they provided a sense of security. You know, and, 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 and I didn't have to get out of them to feel safe. But they were a temporary expedient that didn't provide much of anything at all. Not in reality. And it wasn't until I got serious about the things of God and made a commitment to the Lord. That God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you everything I got. Everything. You know, and and when God asks us for everything, do you know what everything means? 
everything. There's a little three-letter Greek word, P-A-S. And it means everything. It means all. Complete. Entire. So when God asks us for everything, we got to give him everything. And so when I told God I would give him everything, you know what he started requiring of me? Everything. I couldn't hold anything back. Because he would surely call me to account for it. Jesus gave lots and lots of parables about passion. Remember when Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 9, you know, he was telling folks, you know, come follow me. He said, if any man take, uh, must come after me, he must, lay down his, he must lay down his life, take up his cross, and follow me daily. And, and then, you know, somebody came up to Jesus and says, you know, uh, I want to follow you, but I married this girl. Or I've got this girl I got to marry. I got, once I get married, I'll come follow you. And then someone else says, says, Jesus, I'll follow you, but you know what? I just bought a piece of property, and i got to go look at it. How boneheaded is that? Might have bought some swampland. They don't know. But what a lame excuse. I just bought some property, and i got to go look at it. Another person says, we know Jesus. i got a funeral to go to. And he said, when is it? I don't know, but i got to bury my dad. Once I bury my dad, then I'll come follow you. Jesus knew what was behind that. This guy was waiting on his inheritance. He wasn't willing to give it up. Jesus said, let the dead bury your dead. Come follow me now. Come follow me. You see, he calls us and he appeals to that part inside of us that he knows is difficult for us to give up. But if we have a passion for God, we're willing to give it up. We're compelled to do it. We're driven to do it. I just want you to know, folks, I am a hopeless Jesus-holic. I don't know how best, you know, I'm a Jesus freak. I, I, I can't help it. Since I surrendered my life to him, he's so jealous for me, he won't let me get away from him. And I love him so much, I don't want to. And I just have a passion for him that overrides everything else. Everything else. And, and that's what we've got to have if we're going to follow Jesus. You know, Paul said, and, and, and he said this in Philippians chapter 3. Paul lays out this, this thing of what his life was like before. You know, and, and we all like to tell our story, especially when we're giving our testimony. I don't know if you've ever been around folks that are sharing their testimony. You know, we try to try to go one bigger than the other one. You know, well, you know, I was a drug addict and I sold I sold drugs, and you know, they they started bringing them in transfer trucks, and you know, transfers were too small, so we started getting a train to bring them in. You know, and we we start embellishing our testimony. You know, make it sound like we did all these great. That's not our testimony. That just makes us look like an idiot. You did all that stuff. What a fool. My testimony is this. I was lost. I was in need of a Savior. I was hopelessly lost. Whether I did anything no worse than steal a cookie out of the cookie jar, I was just as lost as the guy that was a pimp who sold drugs on the street, had murdered three people. I was just as bad as him. 
or her. Because without Jesus, I was a hopeless sinner. But here's the deal. Jesus saw me in my helpless estate. And he had passion. And he reached out to me in passionate love. And he forgave me of my sin and showed me mercy. Jesus was talking to a Pharisee, one of the religious rulers, as it were. He's probably one who helped write the law and this kind of stuff. And he asked Jesus, he says, what thing must I do? What one thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Because he thought he was a pretty good guy. Maybe there's just one thing missing. If I can just get that one thing, I can assure myself I've got eternal life. And Jesus says, well, the first commandment is, he said, well, he asked him, he said, what is the first commandment? This guy's a lawyer. He knows, right? It's, it's hard to outfox a lawyer. So he asked the lawyer, he says, what is the first commandment? Of course he knew it. Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And I'll go one better. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. And the guy wanting to justify himself, he says, but really, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him the famous story about the guy that was going down the road to Jericho and he fell among thieves and he was beaten and robbed and left for dead. They took everything he had and they, they beat him. They left him laying on the side of the road. And, and as he's laying on the side of the road there, beaten half to death, this priest comes by and he sees him. And apparently he must have been on the way to the temple or something to do his priestly duties and he didn't want to defile himself and have to go through the process of cleansing again in order to go and do his religious duties. So he sees him and he's like, oh, I'm on my way to church. I don't have time for this guy. So he goes on. A few minutes later, his assistant, the Levite, you know, the one who helped do all the functions around the church, you know, who, who kept the wood and for the sacrifices and the oil for the lamps and all those kind of things, he comes along. You know, he's one of the deacons in the church. He comes along and he sees the guy over there. He's like, He looks bad, but I'm on my way to church. I ain't got time for him. Besides that, he, he, don't, he looks bad. I don't know if he's going to make it. So he goes on. A few minutes later, this Samaritan, a Samaritan of all people, and he was looked down upon by those of the religious right because he was a half-breed. I mean, he really didn't. He was like a frog. had no home. So he comes walking down the road, and he sees the guy on the side of the road, and he goes, wow, this looks bad. And he's got his donkey with him, and he's got some wine and stuff on the donkey and some oil. And so he gets down on his hands and knees, and he attends to the guy. He cleans his wounds up, puts some oil and some wine in his wounds to sterilize and help bring healing to his wounds. Picks him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to the hotel. Didn't have a hospital. 
in those days. So he takes him to the hotel and tells the hotel keeper, he says, he says, look, put this guy in your best room and, and, and set up an account for me and give him whatever he needs. Take care of him till I come back. And here's some money to take care of him. And if it exceeds that, let me know when I get back and I'll take care of the bill. And so he goes on his way. And Jesus asked this lawyer guy, he says, hey, now, which one of you think was the one who was righteous in his deeds? Which one had true passion? Was it the priest? No. How about the Levite? No. Well, then it must have been the Samaritan, right? Well, yeah. It had to be him. And Jesus said, why so? He said, because he was the one that showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you judge right. Now you go and do likewise. You go and do the same thing that he did. See, it's about showing mercy. It's about having compassion and passion for people. Passion compels us to do things we normally wouldn't do. Passion drives us to get our hands dirty because we can't stop ourselves. We just got to do it because there's something in our heart that compels us to do these things. There's something that keeps us awake at night. There's a passion that will drive us out of bed onto our needs to pray for someone who has a need in the middle of the night. And we don't know why, but we know there's something crying out in our heart. Deep is crawling to deep, and we just have to get out. And we passionately begin to pray and intercede in the Spirit for whatever we don't know that's going on until the Spirit reveals it to us. Passion will cause you to do that. Passion will cause you to go across town and pick somebody up and bring them to church, even though it's out of your way. Passion will cause you to give more than you can possibly give. It will cause you to to give sacrificially because you believe in the things of God and you want to see the kingdom of God advance. Passion will drive you to do these things. Passion and jealousy for God will cause your heart To hurt when you see sin and when you see the results of sin. When you see what it's doing to people. And it will make you want to reach out and rescue them. Passion. Will cause you to look at people in an entirely different way. Than you do. Without it. Because passion will make you look at a person and think, how would Jesus think of this person? What would he do? And we know what the answer to that is, don't we? He would lay down his life. He'd give his life for that person. He wouldn't care if they were red, yellow, black, and white, orange, pink. It wouldn't make any difference. He wouldn't care if they were a pimp, a prostitute, a murderer, a sex offender. It would not matter. Passion would cause us to think, does that person know Jesus? It's so important that they know Jesus because without Christ, they will die and go to hell. Passion will make us look at things in a totally different way. So the question is, what is your passion? What is your passion? What is my passion? I have to ask myself that question. 
What is the strongest motivation in my life? Passion. Paul. Paul saw himself. He talked about himself in Philippians chapter 3. He said, you know, he said, I was born a pure Israelite. I mean, I didn't have to get on um, some genealogical study to find out that I was Jew. I was a pure Jew. I knew it. I was born a Jew. I was a Benjamite from the tribe of Benjamin. Not a Vegemite, a Benjamite. And I was raised in a Pharisaical family. A very religious, strict, the strictest of strict religions. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I held up as much of my end of the law as I possibly could. And if I wanted to talk about my religious pedigree, here it is. But you know what? In the light of eternity, all of that stuff is just like dung. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. He said, I was zealous, passionate. I was so passionate that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without thought. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Passion. Can you see Paul's passion for Christ? Everything else, he said, I counted as loss. What are some of the things we've done inventory in our life and, and we've looked at them and we've, we've held them up beside Christ and we says, in comparison, that's worthless. I choose Christ. Relationships, illicit relationships, not worth it. I choose Christ. Habits, those Sins that so easily beset and hinder me and keep me from running the race with patience. Not worth it. I choose Christ. Offenses, things that people have done to me, things that I've seen in the church and and I've judged the whole church because of it, those hypocrites. Not worth it. I choose Christ. Passion. And I'm compelled Because of his love for me. I'm driven on because of I know what Jesus did for me. It makes me want to serve him. It makes me want to love him. It makes me want to exalt him. Makes me want to worship him. Makes him want to makes me want to give him everything I got. I'm compelled to do it because it's worth it. Everything else is like garbage. There's nothing in this world that is worth 
Jesus said, what would, it, what would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And so many people have sold their soul for the things of this world. Our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our intellect. We become so wrapped up in, in all the worldly pursuits that, that we have, have, have yielded our will toward them. And it's been stolen from us because we lack passion for God. Are you jealous for Him? I don't want anything else to come between me and my God. I've got to be jealous for Him because He's jealous for me. You know, I've said that, that I'm jealous for my wife, and I know she's jealous for me. Don't understand it, but she is. We're jealous for each other because there's a love there. We're passionate for each other. I'd lay down my life for her, and I know she would for me. Matter of fact, she already has. But you can look at her and say, well, she's beautiful. She's alive. She's still living. Yes, she has. That's why she's alive and living. Because we both laid down our lives for Jesus. And everything that we are and everything that, that everything good in our lives is because of Him. We don't have anything else to go back to. We've burned the bridges. We've, we've killed the oxen. We've burned the plow. There's nothing to go back to. Don't want to. Because we're compelled to move on in Him. And the Apostle Paul, on the tag of what I just read, when he talked about giving everything up and counting it all as garbage, in verse 10 he says, Oh, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, being made conformable unto His death, in order that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Wow. Here's a man that you would think knew Christ more than anybody else that had such a handle on loving Jesus and knowing Jesus. And he is saying, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Wow. I want to be like that. See, that's passion. Because he understands that in knowing Jesus, the more you know about him, the more there is to know. The more there is to know. The love relationship we have with Jesus, we think, man, I've gotten to know Jesus pretty well. And then he surprises you again. It's like, wow. Jesus, you're so good. So rich knowing you. What's your passion? What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about the things that God is passionate about? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Does that cause you to spend time in your prayer closet? Praying for the neighbor down the street or the one next door? Do you call them out before God? Or the guy who's been mad, bad-mouthing you at work and saying ugly things about you? Do you show him mercy? Or her and pray for them 
the persons that you think have rejected you and everything else? Do you, do you lift them up before God and pray for them? Those who use you and abuse you and say all manner of evil against you. Does, does passion in your heart and compassion for them drive you to pray for them? That's passion. That's passion. Boy, I tell you what, I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all are amening. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we know what it says. His last commandment, which is our first priority. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Is that what really gets your motor running? Are you thinking about what can I do to make disciples? What can I do to get somebody born again so they can be baptized? What can I do to teach someone about loving Jesus and, and obeying Him and, 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 and honoring Him? Am I passionate about Jesus' presence with me? And we were talking about yesterday morning, you know, and, and I mentioned this about Billy Graham. And, and, a, and a journalist asked him one time, says, Mr. Graham, Dr. Graham, how have you been able to maintain your integrity all these years? You've never been involved in a scandal. Nobody's ever been able to write anything negative about you when it comes to morality and those kind of things. How do you do it? He said, it's quite simple, really. He said, I just practice the presence of God. I just know that he's with me all the time. When I'm in my closet, he's there with me. When I'm driving down the road, he's there with me. Whatever I do, he's there with me. So he sees and he knows and he's privy to everything that goes on in my life, even what I think. So if I practice knowing that his presence is with me all the time, it keeps me from doing things that will be offensive to him. Because the last person I want to offend in my life is the Lord himself. That's passion. That's passion. What's your passion? I've given you something to think about. You know, one of the greatest things that, that we can do when we hear a message or a sermon or whatever you want to call it is examine ourselves in the light of the truth of God's Word. Examine ourselves. I know sometimes, and I've been there too, I've sat in the seats and, and I, I've looked across the aisle and thought, you know, they really need to hear that. And I hope she got that. Well, one of the most difficult things we can do, but one of the most healthy things we can do, is to allow the Word of God to touch us, challenge us. And when I ask, what is your passion? Ask yourself the question. What is it that drives me? What is it that gets me out of bed in the morning? What is it that keeps me going through the day? What is it? What is it? 
Am I being kingdom minded? Or am I being earthly minded? What, what compels me? With that being said, there's nothing else I can say. Except think about it. And I just want to pray for you. Because we've been left with a compelling question. What am I passionate about? What am I passionate about? Be passionate about something. Some people are passionate about being passionate about nothing. Some people are committed to being noncommittal. But when we do that, we're committed to something. We're just committed to being lazy. Or not truthful to ourselves. So, what are you passionate about? Would you close your eyes for just a second? I want you to think about something. I want you to examine yourself and ponder the question, why was I created? What is my purpose in life? What is my purpose in life? What has God given me that is uniquely me that nobody else possesses, nobody else knows except me in a greater extent than I do? God may have created you and purpose that you be an entrepreneur or a doctor or a lawyer or a pastor or a factory worker or a yard worker or whatever it is. If that, But God has created you for so much more than just that. That would be your occupation, but that would not be your purpose in life. What is your purpose in life? What has God ordained in your life and created you for? To advance the kingdom of God. That's the question. That should be your passion. That should be the motivator in your life. Paul wrote about it in, in Romans chapter 12. He said some of you are, are gifted in giving. And some of you are gifted in serving. And some of you are gifted in exhortation. And some of you are gifted in this way. In showing mercy or whatever. Whatever it is that, that God has gifted you with. Whatever it is that compels you. Some of us, you know, we can't pass a flea on the side of the road without stopping and, do, and trying to help it. That's just a spirit of mercy. A, a gift of mercy that God has given us. And we want to help people. God's put that there. That's your passion. For some of us, we are, we are so driven to see people saved. We just, we eat, drink, sleep, getting people saved. God has put evangelism in your heart. And that is a passion that he has given you. Use it and, and, and allow God to build it and, and anoint it and, and, and let it drive you and bring people into the kingdom of God. Some of you. You're just compelled with service. You just want to serve. I mean, it, it just does your heart good to do something for somebody else. And that's a wonderful thing. That's a gift from God that can be used in the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom. That's your passion. And listen, if you're going to be passionate about it, be passionate about it. Be focused in that. Go for it, man. I encourage you. Go for it. But do it with passion. Do it with passion. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. 
For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.